you don't have to be a lawyer, a doctor, or uh, an accountant or whatnot to to be successful. Your own merits come from the what you measure and what you want to do. Hello, welcome to the Unpacking Creative Lives podcast. I'm your host Barney Preet, and this week we're talking to Sean. Sean is a music composer and music teacher. He also works with other businesses to help them create a sound for themselves. He works as a composer and he practices every day. In this episode, we talk about practice and what it means to live a full-time creative life. I hope you enjoy. What was your talim like with Bandit Nayan Ghosh? I understood tabla, but I never met the, I guess, what you would call like the the goat, sort of the greatest of all time, essentially. I mean, I, I when I when I started my journey in tabla, that was a very big self-discovery moment. Coming to meet with him, understanding, uh, I only had 10 days or so with him. That was exciting. It was fun. He gave me like a big snapshot. I was in rooms where like some of the greatest, greatest of Indian classical music musicians, they were there. Like even so, so much so that they've actually said like in the school, Sangit Mahabharati in, in Juhu, Mumbai, um, they said no photos. We cannot go in there and take photos. It's that, that sacred. Um, so you have like some of the people like Pananal Ghosh, you have... Um, what else have you got? Uh, you got Amajan Trikwara, which is like the when if you look in the tabla history, if you're a tabla player, if you know Amajan Trikwara and uh, the composition that he went through, he's like the guy, the guy that you wanna you wanna go through in terms of composition and whatnot. Um, so that was amazing, and then understanding the the shoes and and the line at which I am coming from, because uh, with with classical music, is always that guru shisha kind of thing. It's always a hand me down, you know, um, and the tradition sort of passes on. Um, makes you realize like just the grand scheme of things of like how I fit so I was like I don't know I just felt like a small speck of dust <laughs> in this big like you know megalomania kind of world and whatnot it's like this little galaxy you know every Friday night they would always have a concert um, and it would be local artists that would come over what I liked about Pandit Nayan Gosh is that he was very understanding that you are you you're your own individual in terms of what you bring to the table I really want to know a bit about how you use your niche, which is Indian classical music and Western music. And how did you bring them together? What kind of blend? What did you learn from the blend? Western audience tend to not really like, they'll just go, yeah, it's great. I feel the emotion. I'm connected with the non-musical ab- uh, abstract. But with Indian classical music, they'll be like, you made a mistake over there, didn't you? And you're like, oh, okay. So um, you get called on because they're quite quite well educated. So uh, one of the things that I learned from this one was um, trying to combine the spontaneity that Indian classical music brings to the table and the way that Indian classical music focuses on the subtleties, like uh, they have a lot of relation to the Indian mythology, so the chakra system and things like that and the time of day and how that particular scale uh, is good for that time of day and whatnot. Whereas with uh, Western music, it's like music was more secular. Um, uh, and it's because back in those days, uh, music was only allowed in the in the churches. So you, ha- it was all all for religious purposes. All anything that had to had to be in praise of you know um, the higher being, so to speak. Uh, and then when it started getting secular, it's more like, well, okay, let's just make play music for the sake of it. So um, the common ground was initially hard for me to find. And I think that was something that I really resonated with because um, I came from a very predominantly um, 
Eastern society and then coming to a, to a Western society here in Australia, uh, there were certain things that I couldn't really sort of work my way through because it was not what I was brought up to be. So finding that sort of common ground was really interesting. So uh, so one of the things for Indian classical music was I would take some of their their learnings and the, 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 the pedagogy that went with that and put it into... Um, into Western uh, music. So there, there are some similarities in terms of the scale, but it's not to, um, like for example, the nomenclature in, in Indian classical music is Saragamapa, but in Western you have the, I think they've got the Sol Fa system and also the Western, which is the alphabet system, C, D, E, F, G, and then the Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So. Um, but with Saragamapa, it's always changing, um, but with C, C, C. But finding that balance was a was a tough one. But I think eventually I, I find I find my way to sort of I guess put on different hats. Um, you know, when I'm writing for Western music, what would I do? And try and draw inspiration from that. Um, kind of like I guess making making a dish, so to speak. You know, you take different elements. You know, learn from your families. Let's put a bit of pepper with like I don't know masala or something. You know, and like kind of stuff. You know? Mix it up, right? Uh, and then you, you, you sort of be surprised at what you get, you know? What's the big dream for you now in your musical career? So I am at the, at the moment trying to make a course. Um, and the course I'm designing for, in a way, is the premise behind that is if I knew all the things that I've learned in the past decade or so in my high school days, I think my composition journey would take different a different route. Like one of the things that I was doing during during this whole lockdown was um, teaching students to make their own song, and some of them were like, "I can do that." What? Oh, that's oh my so god! Special. Yeah. So so it's 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 a, it's a it's not just a matter of here's a sheet of music, follow the page, next page, next piece, one piece a week. It's not like a rat race kind of thing, but it's more like a I can create my own thing. In one of your videos, you talked about a project on the Holocaust and that how you used non-musical elements to create uh, music. And I wonder, what is that process? So run me through it. I was thinking to myself, why can't we use music to explain a story? Why can't somebody listen to something and they feel transported back in time or they feel into the world, right? There are things that I'm looking for. So I'm looking for descriptive words. So for example, when it comes to corporate stuff, a lot of the corporates are really like, they're pretty, pretty dry. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Very like, we want to be dynamic. We want to be, um, we want to show like we, we, we can do the job, but we also want to be like very professional. And I'm like, well, professional dynamic, those are not really, really like, they don't strike me. They don't, they don't connect me well. An example, I was working with uh, a current student of mine um, and he was like, Sean, I really want to make an epic music. And I'm like, well, great. What's epic? Like, what is that? And then he's like, uh, I want it to be sad, ethereal, soft. Great, but what's what's sad? Like, what is sad to you? Like, is sad like being lonely, right? So being a little bit more clearer. Um, and he's he's a visual artist as well. So he started like to write some like show me some pictures, and he was having a little image of like someone playing the violin, but like a building that's just burning down behind him. That's his form of sad. It's like he's he's still going on, but like he's you know his heart is he's pouring his heart out, but his structures burning down. And then another another one for ethereal is like, well, let's go even more deeper. Is ethereal more like a like an angelic kind of thing? Is it more like the halo around somebody and stuff like that? Um, you know, let's try and paint a picture that's right there so that we can actually visually see it. And then that way we'll start going from there. And then soft. What is soft? Is like soft, like 
you know, your pillow soft? Is it a soft like, you know, a parent hug or something, you know? Or is it like a, a bed sheet or something like that, you know? I'm a very visual person. So like that's stuck in my head. So when I see that visual, I'm like, well, what can I do? How can I use my musical elements to really marry that? The abstract element, I look at the more visual element. If there's any pictures or anything that can really descriptively work with me, I use that. And then I, this and this is the fun part where it's like, I just mix and match. I'll be like, let's try this. Does it work? Mm, okay, cool. That's that's good, but it's not really there. Try another one. Keep trying, keep trying. It's like a, and then we have like different ideas and then I lay it out on, on my session and I'll be like, okay, this one works well. Let's try this. Cool, great. And then after that, the, the writing process becomes very intuitive. You have quite a resume. <laughs> Thank you. And I wonder... Let's just start with a conservatorium of music. What was that like? That was an interesting approach. Um, I was obviously entering as a mature age student. A lot of the, a lot of my, um, I guess, colleagues were all fresh out of high school kind of thing. Um, so mentality-wise, experience-wise, um, it was so different. Um, they were just learning life. They were just understanding what it's like outside of school. I was like, I've already been there, done that. I sort of learned a little bit of things. Um, so I was a little bit more sort of way advanced. I, I could see things a bit more quick, uh, better. I could see, I could sort of predict a couple of steps ahead where some of my peers I know that were not, like they were just going through experiencing in life, right? Um, so that was an interesting approach, but that also humbled me, if anything, because part of composing is making you realize you looking deep at yourself and what exactly is it that you want to try and bring out. I think being in the world before jumping into the music world, I used to do a lot of, uh, um, like charity productions, a lot of music work and stuff like that. And a lot of people respected me. A lot of people... Uh, respected me because of what I brought to the table. I earned my respect. So there was a lot of sort of like status quo. So what I thought was like, so every time I would, I would, I would go to like a social event or I would see people, the people would be like, oh, you're that talented music guy. Yeah, I seen you. You play like so many instruments. Yeah, you're really, really cool. So that kind of hyped me up a bit too much. And then I realized that, you know what? Yeah, it's great. So I, I, I already had a bit of a reputation that was preceding me. Um, but then... When I, when I came to the conservatorium, I was like, I was a nobody. Nobody knew who I was. I was just another, another student that was just going through the experiences. And that made me realize like, oh, I actually have to work hard. I actually have to do something about this. Like everybody can be talented, but I think the three, I feel like the three pillars in life is hard work, discipline and commitment. And if you have those three things in your life, I think you can, you can get what you want in your life. And my biggest dream when I was growing up to be in music was actually being a music composer. I, I, when I say music composer, I wanted to be that film music composer. I really love film music. I remember when I, when I was studying music in HSC, uh, I got introduced to film music and uh, the teacher at the time was showing us a uh, man from a snowy river. The, um, and she showed us a scene and she's like, what song would go with this one? So she played track one, track two track three one of the tracks had the actual music from the from the um from the uh, motion picture one was i think um i think at that time it was like uh, uh who was it i think that's when justin bieber came up with his stuff and he put like baby and i was like oh okay all right cool that was like no that doesn't work but okay it was like a scene of um they were going through a horse ride and i think they were coming down like the valley but like something something has happened right 
Um, and then another one was more like a like an entertainer sort of Scott Joplin kind of kind of vibe. And I was like, well, it's not funny, it's not poppy, but this one that the track they had was had a lot of like strings, a lot of like suddenness, a very very timely cue with everything. So I was like, all right, Sean, I'm gonna be that film composer. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna get my next big, you know, movie. And that time, that was when Marvel Studios was coming out and whatnot. So Iron Man came out. So I was like, that's it, the big gig, Marvel. Marvel's gonna call me because you know what? Everybody thinks I'm good. I'm great. They're gonna tell everybody, you know, word, you know, word of mouth, blah blah blah, kind of stuff. And then when I came to the conservatorium, I was like, oh, I'm not the only person who has this dream. There's the, my next friend is having it. This person's having it as well. Everybody else is having it. Oh my God, there's an entire community behind it. There's like 30,000 people around the world who's also eyeing for this. <gasps> okay. So this place taught you humility. Yeah. Hmm. That's really interesting. I never thought that. I guess, I guess, yeah, when you do become, a, you know, a dreamer, you, you're exactly right. It's like dreaming about something so big and putting the smallest amount of hard work and then once you actually put in the work then you're like oh now it makes sense like now my work ethic matches my dream but I'm curious to know when it comes to discipline and music what what comes to mind when you think of discipline like what sacrifices have you had to make to discipline yourself so I think one of the things that I learned was um and to be honest, in the past two years, I only started implementing these practices. Composing was like a muscle. It was like going to the gym. It was like, you know, the more you keep doing it, the better you become, the more it becomes second nature. And having to sort of go all in with that and, you know, just shut off what's happening with the world. Social media a decade ago was, was not even a term that was very commonly used. Now today, it's kind of like the movements and shakers of how the world works. How much am I consuming? What am I feeding myself with that information? And... If I wanted to compose, am I just going to wait for the inspiration juju to come to me and be like, ah, oh, I got a great idea. Let's do it now. Or am I actually going to be like actively working on it? So I do a routine where I compose three hours a day. Um, and that could either be jumping on a session um, and actually doing something or jumping on the keys and just playing some stuff um, or actually writing out some ideas. I compose because it's, it's who I am. It's what I wanted to do. And most of it was just more of a mindset change and me sort of, I guess, you know, um, facing my, my, my deepest, darkest fears of, you know, one of my fears was what if I started composing and I lose the love out of it? It doesn't become fun. It doesn't become exciting. Um, because right. It becomes a chore. It becomes a chore. It becomes very robotic. It doesn't become natural. But then if anything right now, I've actually started to love my processes a bit more. If anything, like whenever I listen to a track right now, I'll be like, oh, I love what you did over there. Oh, okay, great. Ah, cool. Ideas. Grab that. Put that into my little working area. Start composing. I think if I didn't apply that level of discipline and being able to just shut everything and just focus on what is it that I want to do, um... I don't think I would be able to be at where I am today. That's interesting. You have learned a lot of instruments, my friend. <laughs> you have learned a lot. I recently saw a video of you explaining how you learned a tuba in one week when you were really young. Yep. And I'm curious to know what the best mindset is to start learning new instruments. Don't come in with the, with the premise that you do know something. One of the students I'm teaching with, uh, she she's a grandmother and she's like, you know, 
my granddaughter always comes over and she always jumps on the piano. My mother used to play the piano, so I would like to sort of pass that on to, to my to my granddaughter and be that. So for some people, music is a connecting activity. Um, but the first thing I would say to them is, um, you. when I say this, I say this in a more candor way, like you don't know everything. Like you, you just got to put that ego and pride out of the door. Um, and just come here with the intention that you just want to learn. You just want to absorb everything because that will make the learning experience so much more better. Just come in with the intention that you just want to learn. You want to be a sponge. You're just absorbing. The, the, the beauty of I find with music teaching because when I feel with music, I see the unadulterated version of themselves. Not the bravado, not the, not the general social impression. This is me and them. And they, it's a bit of an onion peeling kind of session, if anything, because it's really great because they, they connect to themselves. What are you most excited about? Well, uh, it's been a week now since I popped the question to my fiance. So congratulations. I, uh, That's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind of a week. I remembered growing up um, and when I told family and friends and said that I wanted to do music as a career, um, so one of the statements I got from some family friends were like, oh, uh, how, how can you put food on the table if you're doing music? Um, are you going to work uh, as a as a checkout check for the rest of your life? Um, uh, and it's funny, like when I heard that statement today, I was like, Haha, ironic, look at the world we're living now, the checkout check is the one that we, we rely on so much. <laughs> one of the things that, that really excited me was now today I'm in a world where um, I've, I've finished my accounting degree. I've worked in accounting. I now run a music school by myself. I, I don't run a big one. I just run a small one where I work with people. Um, I'm making music. I'm doing what I love. And I'm about to get married. They always said that a musician could never make a living because of the way it is right now. And the, the, the general impression that people look at musician and they understand it's always a struggling musician always struggling to pay bills always not being able to make a life like they can't have a family um and they always said that um you know if you become an educator in the music composition world it means that you didn't you really didn't do a good, good job in your composing world right um i'm composing i'm making music that i love i'm helping businesses grow their, their own thing i'm making them understand the power of music how they can connect with their clients i'm teaching families and realizing that they can make music uh, not just within australia but within around the world as well um i'm also able to you know and do the things that i love you know spend time with my families you know have be able to pop the question to my fiance and make this big commitment planning a wedding um never in my lifetime i was able to do that because i remember when i grew up those statements rung with me can you put food on the table by being a musician? You don't have to be a lawyer, a doctor, or a, an accountant or whatnot to, to be successful. Your own merits come from the what you measure and what you want to do. Sean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was so awesome. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'll see you next week for another one. All right. Bye for now.